Father, I want to give thanks to you together with these precious ones and those that are joining together in giving you glory and honor and praise and majesty. It's all yours. Yours is the kingdom, the power, eternity to eternity. And we come to you, Abba Father, in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior. And through him, by him, we can come, O oh God, giving thanks to you, giving praise to you as priest of the Most High God because of the goodness of our Lord Jesus. Receive the glory and the honor and the praise. Now, Father, we just want to lift up precious ones that are here. Many people, O oh God, who are here as well as those that are watching as they stand not only for themselves but also for their own self. They're reaching out to someone, oh God, dear, who is sick, someone who's in the hospital, someone who's going through a very difficult time, literally in a wilderness, limited, narrowed down, and no way out. But you're a God who can make the impossible possible because is anything too hard for the Lord? You said this to Jeremiah, and he said, nothing is too hard. No, nothing is too hard for you. And we thank you for the provision because of what our Lord Jesus Christ did and on the ground of his finished work on the cross. We claim that salvation and if there be anyone, O oh God, who does not have it, they can call upon you and be saved. And I pray, Lord, that precious ones would pray and seek your face and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I just pray for precious ones. They are sick. They need healing. They have lack. They need lack to be filled. And we use the mighty name and speak the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Someone going through a cancer. Someone else going through pain in the skull. Someone going through a pain in the entire bone, in the backbone, and it's excruciating. Someone go, waiting for a miracle, a job. Someone waiting for an interview that it would be favorable. I'm going to say this, my friend, it's only because of Jesus. And I pray this to you, for you, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we pray as we lift up precious ones, go ahead and lift up someone that you know that needs that grace, that needs salvation, that needs deliverance, that needs situations in their life to be changed, that they would have freedom in Christ, a freedom from that things that they have been bound, whether it be alcohol or drugs or whatever. In the mighty name of Jesus, be free. Be delivered and come forth as Lazarus out of the tomb and even out of the sepulcher that the enemy has put you in, out of the limitations. And Father, we just pray healing to your people today, spirit, soul, and body, because of Jesus in his name we pray. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's about the Lord. It's the goodness of the Lord. It's the mercy of the Lord. We've been doing a series particularly about wilderness, and uh, I just began, uh, we talked about the last time a couple of important people, it's literally everyone in the Bible that you can think about that God has used, have all 
come through or come out at an experience of uh, wilderness at a certain their life. And we can say we are going through. So I want to share today without going through all of the previous ones because we won't have time. But you can go back and get all of our Wednesday teachings, whether it's on the Facebook or YouTube or into our website and get all the information. But I'm not going to go back and review this because of the time limit. But let me just say this. I want to talk about David's experience and his lessons that we can learn from his wilderness experience. Now, when you're talking about David's wilderness experience, maybe we're talking about our own COVIDness experience. Uh, we have all gone through something, and what can we learn? Even as we have come out, as we are coming out, what we are learning, and the things that we need to do, and we need to learn, because it's certainly a wilderness experience for all of us all across the world. So we want to talk a little bit about David, and first I want you to know he wasn't, by any stretch of imagination, a perfect man. And yet the Bible seems to give him the highest commendation. In 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, you find this powerful word saying, uh, for, uh, hmm, for the, uh, because thou hast not kept in course, God sought a man after his own heart, God is saying to Saul. And God has already reserved a man. And if that is not only enough, but way later, long after David is dead and gone, in the book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, again a testimony. This is way after David is uh, done and finished and buried. It's basically, uh, and when he had received him, he raised him up, David, to be the king, to whom he gave. That is, God gave a testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart which shall fulfill all my will. A man after God's own heart. So there's something about David that we could learn, but I want you to know that he was not exempt from the wilderness uh, uh, experience. Our Lord Jesus Christ is most perfect, and he doesn't have to go through, and yet he went. In fact, this was when he heard the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son, a commendation and identification, and yet in chapter 4, after reading from Luke chapter 3, 22, he was pushed, chapter 4 and verse 1 of Luke, into the wilderness. Here is David. He's learned something very important. Just at the outset, let me just say that there are two experiences of wilderness, and they last years. Uh, in the first one, could be about 10 years. The second one, it was not that long, but the first one was the training ground to reign. It was the best college education. It was the practical neology that you can think about seeking God. It was one of the greatest experiences because God was training his man to be able to be the king of Israel. God is training this humble shepherd, taking care of his father's sheep, to be the shepherd of his flock, his people. And this is a lot of experience in that time when he was being chased by um, Saul's army, the finest and the best, the crack of them all at one time. David was in charge of it. Now he's being chased. Uh, you know how fickle-minded people can be, how things can change in a matter of moment. But here at one time, commander, one time the man in charge, and now he's being chased. And the wilderness experience, including the opportunity when he had to um, hide in a cave, many caves, but one of them particularly mentioned called Abdullam, Cave of Abdullam, are rich experiences. But then there's a second wilderness, and this is not because of training. 
it is a learning experience because of his own sin. I may not have time to go through the second one. If I do not, I will do God willing the next time. The first thing I want to say this about this man, a man after God's own art. The thing that you find about this man, David, he was a man of passion. He was a passionate man. Whatever he did, he did with a passion. And it's so important we understand that. Uh, when he rose, he was rose with a passion. When he fell, he fell with a passion. I mean, he did everything, uh, not half-heartedly, and we'll just go through that. The topmost list I want to say is his passionate love for God. I mean, he's not hiding it. He expresses it in his Psalms. Particularly when you read Psalm 18 and verse 1, he says, I love the Lord, my strength. I love thee, O Lord, my strength. And not only he's saying it in the first person, but much later he talks about that I love the Lord. And this is very profound. He's not ashamed. And this is something you find about David, that he's a man who loved God passionately. Something else that you find about him, he loved expressing, uh, today you would call it a private diary. For him, it was psalms. It was song, and the Bible calls him the sweet psalmist. That's the way the, that the epitaph of this man is expressed. In fact, when you turn to Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 1, uh, towards the end of his life, it gives you a wonderful, it says, now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God, of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. And uh, he is always giving out some. But I want to say this. He has written a lot of psalms. A vast majority of the psalm comes out of pain, comes out of hurt. As a young man, when I went for a convention, there was a song that was sung, and it was not the tune. It was catchy, not simply uh, the lyric. That was important, but something that touched your heart to the point you are in tears. The song, the ethos, the passion of that song, and then I met the writer. And I told him that uh, the song meant so much to me, and he told how the song came about in his own life, in his own tragedy, when things happened in his family, when his uh, son, and then later the other son died. It was so moving that he cried. He cried, and then it began rising from his heart. A song of praise, a song of his divine trust, of his uh, implicit uh, trust and faith in God. And what a wonderful experience in the most difficult experience comes the, the, the beautiful song. It's like the nightingale sings their breast and the loudest and the greatest song in the middle of the night. So here, almost more major part of David's song comes in those tribulation period, in those wilderness experience. So while he was being chased, while he was all by himself, while he was being hunted, while he was basically trying to uh, eke out a living in those very difficult moments of his life, it took time. But he had learned this when he was taking care of his father's sheep. Not only the fact he learned to trust God, but express it, uh, verbally speak it out. 
And those became songs that not only became the songs of the Hebrews, but the songs of the Christian church as well. The psalmist is sung, the psalmist is uh, read, but most importantly, the psalmist is the what is sin is the psalmist a song of praise to God. There are psalms that are also talking not only of the highs, but also the low moments of this man's life. So not only did he love God, not only had uh, the psalmist expressing it uh, so wonderfully in these uh, letters or in these psalms or the songs. Number three, something about him was he had a passionate love for God and his name. It's not about a political situation. It's not about a culture. It's not about a race. It was about God. In fact, that was what he stood up for. In fact, he said, is there not a cause? When you turn to First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29, is there not a cause? What is the cause? Don't you see that 10 feet, a 10-foot man is for 40 days, day in and day out, abusing God. You say he could be a man in high position and high authority, a man with power. But David is saying, aren't you doing something about it? Aren't you doing something about it? It is a terrible thing to speak against people, to speak against culture, race, Anti-Semitism is wrong, anti-Islam is wrong, anti-Christian is wrong. But my friends, don't you think anti-Christ is wrong? When you ridicule and blaspheme the name of Jesus, people say, oh, don't talk about. Then how dare you talk about the Lord? And you say nothing? In almost all the movies, every time a swear word, always defaming, trying to denigrate the Lord Jesus Christ. That is wrong as well. Like any other things you call about. So here's a man, David, couldn't stand the name of God from being blasphemed. So here he goes to war. Uh, we don't believe in war. As Christians, our fight is against the enemy, for flesh and blood is not it, but against powers and principalities. But in this Old Testament, what you find is he confronts this Goliath of a giant. So when you read 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45, look what he says. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, and whom you have defied and defiled. I come in that name. So he's passionate about the name. People are passionate about their color, passionate about their culture, passionate about their nationality, passionate about their language. But when will Christians ever get to be passionate about the name of the Lord? Whether it be our Father Yahweh or whether it be our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we need to stand up. What I remark, always remark is the blasphemy of the name of the Lord is not from any of the Islamic countries or even the Hindu countries or the Buddhist countries. It comes from America by people who hate Jesus and push the envelopes again and again. We don't hurt anybody's faith or religion or even their prophets. But this seems to be in this land of the brave and free. It's so tragic. 
So not only the fact he loved the Lord, Yahweh, but the fact that he sang praises to the Lord. Number three, he stood up for a cause, and the most important was to stand up for the name of the Lord from being blasphemed or defiled. Number four, there was a passionate, emotional zeal about him. And he would be the Hebrew Pentecostal. He was not ashamed to express his feeling. It's not like a dead, quiet orthodox. Don't move, don't shake. No, the man could not keep his feeling. No. Uh, when you read Second uh, Samuel chapter 6 and verse 14, while bringing the ark, David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen apron. He didn't have to wear all of the kingly robe. He dressed himself in the simplicity of a plain cotton like the priesthood and danced, danced away. And his wife, Michal, criticized him and said, how could a king be so vain before people? Don't you know your status? Don't you know who you are? And I'm paraphrasing what he said. Madam, I'm not dancing for your entertainment. I'm giving thanks to God. This is something about David. He was passionate. Passionate for the name of the Lord. Passionate for what would be a singer, a song, worship of God. Amen. He was passionate for what would be the glory of God and seeing his presence so important. There's something I wanted to know. He was passionate about having good friendship, good people. And it's something that he developed, he cultivated. I'll talk about other things that hurt him and stabbed him and, and in this most tragic moment. But Jonathan, in fact, when you read for Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1, he made a pact with this man. It's important that you always have few Jonathans in your life. The Lord Jesus at three. Someone that you could take your shoes off and you can say and it would not be misunderstood. You and me, we all need good friends. And you find that he made a pact of speak, and the son soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. There was a sense where that is so much is missing. I'm not talking about soul spirit or something like that, but simply a kindred spirit. Um, it's something that is missing so much. A kindred spirit is standing up, feeling, and crying out, and being someone. And Jonathan was passionate about, I'm sorry, David was passionate about that. A good friend. You also find what is remarkable, he was passionate in a sense of protocol he followed. Believe it or not, number six is about Saul of all people. You mean to say Saul? Yeah. Saul, because there is an underlying principle in the Bible, the protocol. Protocol simply means honor your father, your mother, honor of things that you have to teach us and all of these things. But there's a sense in which you get this. Why would David do this? Why would be passionate about when there were opportunities to do away with a man that has been chasing him for years? who had tried twice to spear him to death, who has spoken and given commands at one time, taken a life, 2,000 people, to hunt him down. Why would he? Because there was a passion about him. 
in respecting the protocols of God. When you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 26 and verse 9, here was a great opportunity, not once, not twice, three times, but 2 Samuel chapter 26, I believe, and verse 9, it simply goes on to say that he had an opportunity, but he said no. Don't do it. And Ashai, his assistant, was going to kill him. He said, no way, because I cannot do this. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? My friend, Saul was trying to kill him, but that is not the way he wanted to reciprocate. And I want you to understand, for years he's been running away from Saul. Here's a man that respected Saul. Here's a man that was in so many ways loyal to Saul, in so many ways standing up for Saul. At one time, Saul gave him a crazy command, um, you know, give me a hundred um, uh, foreskins to, to create problem for David. But David did that just so that it says the reason is Saul wanted him killed. Saul must have given him crazy assignment but David did this. And the Bible says he behaved himself very wisely. Very important, we understand. But what I want you to know is he didn't rejoice when he heard the death of Saul. In fact, in, uh, when you read 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, this is how he reacted. It was sad. Uh, and so I stood upon him. This man said, because I was sure he could not live, and so I killed him. Uh, uh, one of the uh, non-Hebrew person was boasting. And in verse 11, um, David took hold of his clothes, rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. He literally tore his clothes, and the next few verses he was just weeping for Saul. How is it they mourned him and wept and fasted and eating for Saul or Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel? This is crying out, crying out passionately for someone who died. That sort of says, excuse me, David, that's about him. He's passionate. And what you find is amazing that number seven is he cries profusely for his son who humiliated him, hurt him, would have sent 12,000 of the finest of the soldiers, which is David's soldiers, under Ahitapol, the great uh, seer, counselor, to completely ebb out the life of David. But for the soldiers around, the few around David, and protecting him, and then pursues this son, Absalom, and he basically got hung between the trees and died. Uh, one of the men, of course, threw, uh, threw a, a spear into him and killed him. But I want to see the reaction of this uh, David. It is a passionate love. Did you forget this man was going to kill you? When you read Second Samuel chapter 18 and verse 33, look at the passionate cry of a father. And the king was very much moved and went up to the chamber of the gate and wept as he went. Thus he said, my son, my, all the friends are looking, all his folks that have stood, said, he was out to kill you. We did you a favor. And he's going all the way, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would to God I had died for you. Would to God that I would have died. 
O Absalom, my son, my son. I want you to understand this is incredible, the way in. You know, he's a man with great passion. And yet, in his love for God, passionate about it, he was also very passionate in his failures. What do you read? Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. We won't have time to run through all of it. He calls for Bathsheba. He happened to look out when all the people go to war. He's simply easing. And at that moment, temptation. He should have gone out. He should have done his job. But one glance is fine. That's forgivable. He kept on glancing until he got hold of this. I must have her. It is like basically a Me Too movement. If there was, they would have said exactly this is what David did. He used his power to literally rape Bathsheba. And I want you to realize it was a very big mistake. But he stood in seeking forgiveness. I'll talk about it. But he also stood with Bathsheba through it all. Prayed out, cried out for the son that they had until God gave them Solomon. But I want you to realize something about David that touches your heart is how could a man who is now an adulterer and a murderer, whereas Saul wasn't, know some of the worst of the worst kings were, but God looks to the heart. And there's something about this man, there's a sense in which he seeks passionately for forgiveness, cries out to God. If you read Psalm Chapter 38, verses 1 onwards, look at this cry of this man as he cries out in Psalm 38, O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, neither chasten me in your hot displeasure. Goes on to say in verse 2, For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. I know it's you, Lord. In verse 3, he goes on to say, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. And he goes on to say in verse 4, For mine iniquities are gone over mine head as a heavy burden and they are too heavy for me. Verse 5. He goes on to say, My wounds stink and my corrupt and are corrupt because of my foolishness. Verse 6. I am troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long. Verse 7. For my loins are filled with loathsome disease, loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. Verse 8 goes on to say, I'm feeble and so broke. I'm roared by reason of the disquietness of, of my heart. Verse 9 goes on to say, Lord, all my desires before you and my groaning is not hid from you. I've been crying. I've been crying. I've been crying, seeking forgiveness. I've been in grief. I feel so pained. I feel so horrible. Lord, I'm crying to you. You have heard my prayer. My bed is like a swimming pool filled with my tears. What a passionate cry. If that is not enough, look at the heart of a broken man in Psalm 51, verse 1. The way he says is so wonderful. We can read this together. Psalm 51, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in you. Yea, the shadow of my wings will I make. Psalm 51, I'm sorry, I'm wondering what it was. Psalm 51, verse 1. 
Here in Psalm 51, he begins by asking God forgiveness. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of our tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Verse 2, he goes on to say, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, he goes on to say, For I acknowledge, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Saul never apologized for anything. He had a stubborn heart, he had a rebellious heart, never apologized. He says, for David says, acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Verse 4 goes on to say, against thee, Lord, against thee only have sinned and done this evil in your sight, that thou might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. I have no excuse. Verse 5 goes on to say, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In verse 6, he goes on to say, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Look at what he says in verse 17. For you desire a contrite and a broken spirit. I am in that place, broken, Lord. And then he begins to talk about how he would be serving him telling others about his forgiveness. And this is incredibly amazing because in Psalm 32, he talks about a man that has been cleansed, is righteous because of God's grace and God's mercy. So you can understand, yes, he made a big blunder sin, and yet he reached out to God in forgiveness. There's one thing about the Lord. The Lord is holy, he's righteous. There's another thing, another thing about the Lord. If we go to him sincerely, he will forgive. Amen. He will forgive. But the one thing he hates is pride. Is pride. And this is about this man in humiliation, crying out to God. Now, let me just say in the few minutes I have, want to talk about what is it about David. Number one. He was anointed by God. When you read um, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, it was Samuel that poured the oil of anointing upon David. And so that was incredible. As a young man, three times he was anointed of God. So the hand of God was upon him. On the other hand, Saul was a remarkable man. Um, David wasn't someone you call, he was just a, a kid, uh, looked very childish maybe. And so even Samuel was deceived into thinking maybe there are, his brothers would be there for him, would be the king. But let me just say about Samuel, uh, about Saul, he was a, a remarkable man. In First Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2, he stood shoulder and above uh, all the others. Uh, he basically, uh, he was shoulders and upward. He was higher than any of the people. That means he was a remarkable, charismatic man. He would be what is known a fine preacher because that's what many churches, a pulpit has to be charismatic just like the Hollywood. And you have him. He just fits the American scene. David wasn't. But I want you to understand about David was the hand of God was upon David. Something that God spoke very strongly to Samuel, a great prophet. And if you read for Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, God is saying unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused Saul. 
For the Lord seeth not as a man sees, for the Lord looks for the outward appearance, but the Lord looks in the heart. So while we may look at the outward, be careful, God looks deep down. And there is something about David that God found, a man that is passionate for God, a man that is passionately seeking God's forgiveness. And not only the Old Testament, but long after, God could still say, he's a man after my own heart. Amen. The first experience of the wilderness, I will call this unlike the second wilderness experience, was a discipline, correction, punishment. Because whom God loves, he will chasten. But the first experience was training in reigning. The experience of what would call God's school, better than Harvard and Princeton and all the Ivy schools. God trains his people. And in this, God allowed them to be driven into the wilderness. What is remarkable is when you look in the passages, David was doing everything right. He was making sure everything is fine. He didn't take vengeance. He was, he was obedient. He did everything right. He um, did all the right things. And yet, he was pushed into the wilderness, not because of something he did bad, but something that God wanted him to be better than good. He want God wanted him to be the best. And through this very difficult training ground, he was pushed out into the wilderness. In fact, when you go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, you get to know David arose and fled that day for the fear of Saul. I mean, it was just remarkable, unbelievable. Here he is, people are saying, Saul has killed his thousand, but David 10,000. And that seems to be the songs of the virgins of Jerusalem. It angered Saul. And from then onwards, it was, you're dead, David. And what happens is a man that was so faithful to God, a man that was so faithful in doing the things in the kingdom, was the most hunted and the hated man. So let's go back to verse 11 of uh, this next verse. And the servants of Asher said unto us, Is not David the king of the Lord? So what he did was he just runs off as fast as he could, and he makes a mistake. Never make a mistake when you are being chased into the wilderness. He goes to God. Do you know where God is? Remember he knocked down one of their greatest champions, Goliath. You think these people have short memories? But this is the tragic situation that in a bit of rush, yes, David was just a man, but David came out of that situation. David did come out and did do extremely well. But what you find about David, that he's a man that literally has to run in, and you find within him a place where he finds in the wilderness, uh, he's all alone. And you can read that Psalms over and over again, Lord, I'm alone. Lord, there's no one except you. So those are moments filled of solitude, of loneliness, and yet they're very important for every one of us. There comes a moment where right there, 
I mean, they have been cut off from the church, cut off from their job, cut off from their friends. Kids, you cannot keep them home still. But they were told to stay put. Because of the wilderness called COVIDness, they could not go. And it is very difficult. Many of the kids begin to do crazy stuff, others going, losing their mind. This has been a very difficult experience. And yet when the things open, the most important thing is <sighs> family and friends. You know, what is important is there was a time, David said, when my own father and mother forsake me, the Lord took me. But when he was in this very critical situation, and as he was seeking God the Father, God does something marvelous. He ignites the hearts of his own family. Remember his brothers despised him, saying, who are you? What are you talking about? You think you're a big guy? You want to fight this big Goliath? They are now coming all the way into the wilderness to be with him. Amen. To be with him. It's a community. So... Much after this COVID is over, we need to come back and not forsake the assembling of ourselves. Go back to your home. Go back, uh, go back and meet the friends and loved ones. The last message Queen Elizabeth spoke about was this thing will be over. We'll be back with our friends. We'll be back with everything we love. So important. And this is exactly what took place. So when you read 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, listen, David's they would speak the words of the song, ah, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 22, I'm so sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 22. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Abdullam, and when his brethren, all his father's house heard of it. I mean, you are now leaving the city of Jerusalem and coming all the way to this fortress of, of jungle, of wilderness. They loved David. That time they looked down, his own father did not have time to train him to be Saul's basically top guy. Take care of my sheep. I don't think you're good enough. Now they are realizing, my God, David excelled himself. And now the poor man be exchanged. Let us cast our lot with them. Community surrounds David. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. It says, and when his brother and all his fathers heard it, they went down there to be with them in the wilderness. And now you're not alone in the wilderness. You and I need family, community, the church family in our time of wilderness. There comes a time when we're alone. But don't be alone too much. God is bringing people back. But that's not only that. Look what it says in the next verse. And everyone that was in distress, excuse me, they said, there's a man in distress like us. He seems to be very happy with what's going on. Let's go join him. We can identify with this man. And not only that, those who are in debt, everyone that was discontented or disconnected, everyone that was so far away gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain, excuse me, now comes training to reign. This is the moment as people are brought in, they are basically zeros. They are just basically nobodies. But the greatest army he has raised later on, the greatest leaders that comes out of the wilderness. When you see the circle of three mightiest of the army, 
men. Then comes the hundred. Then comes the five hundred. How did you manage? How did you learn this? You asked Joseph. How did you become a great prime minister that you could see senators, you could teach senators wisdom out of the wilderness? How could you, Moses, who have lost your fluency and yet become such a mighty judge that even Pharaoh and Egypt shakes before you? It comes from the wilderness. How is it, Paul, do you have these visions and things that you understand? I was in the deserts of Arabia. These are moments when God puts you into that place of wilderness to teach you not just to be wasting. Now comes the formation where the greatest army was now being disciplined and formed, not out there in the city, right there in the wilderness. And that is what God is teaching us in this moment of our own COVIDness in our own moment of wilderness. Don't give up. God is teaching you to reign and training to reign. And you must be one that is more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Even as we come to you, help us to learn these lessons from David's experience in the wilderness. And teach us, Lord, from this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.